Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me I had bipolar. I was sent home with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using loud music as a form of therapy. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. You drove me all the way up here Cause you could tell that I was messed I wasn't gonna make it to dinner I shouldn't be calling again You drove me all the way back A band's relationship with its fans can be intense, especially when said band tackles difficult subjects like mental health and drug and alcohol misuse. The Wonder Years is arguably one of the biggest punk bands with a fan base of millions. Casey Cavalier, the band's guitarist and one of its chief songwriters, says the band's relationship with its fans is a delicate balance, with the ultimate goal of mutual understanding and support. While The Wonder Years wants to connect with its listeners in the deepest way possible, its members also need to take care of themselves. That means setting boundaries and not holding the burden of the stories they hear on a nightly basis. Your band saved my life is a statement that carries a lot of weight and responsibility, whether literal or figurative. The question is, what do members of a punk band who talk to hundreds of fans a night do with a statement like that? How do they respond with empathy and understanding from behind a merch table or at a quick meet and greet backstage? My name is Casey Cavalier, and for the better part of the last two decades, I have worked as the guitarist for a Philadelphia-based punk rock band called The Wonder Years. Alongside that, I also work as a freelance music producer, and recently I've also spent a good bit of time trying to help give back to other up-and-coming and independent artists through either one-on-one coaching or just trying to collect and pass along as many resources as I can in my spare time. And part of that career with the Wonder Years has been uh, us learning a lot of lessons about the community that we are in and finding our space and our place and our voice in that community. And it's a really deep relationship that some bands can cultivate with their fan base. And we came up and as kids, whether it be in junior high and high school, music is an incredibly important part of your identity and finding yourself and understanding the world and kind of framing and forming these maps that'll serve as shorthand through the world and just feeling empowered and learning about yourself through others that support you to do so. So that's why we were lucky in that sense to have gravitated towards that side of the musical spectrum, because I think that has a really strong presence and tradition there of 
supporting things on a local level and people going out and taking chances with original music and trying to make space for everybody ultimately. And I'm sure that in no small part is a lot of what has yielded the empathetic perspective that we take to anybody that listens to our music, anybody that has supported it, and even those that that have not and are still unaware of it. At the core of all that, it's about what the art does to either elicit a reaction from a listener and or how those listeners ultimately find ways to use and lean on that art to empower them and, and understand and help them grow as people. The Wonder Years is a band that has gotten big in the punk scheme of things. The idea of punk rock is this equal playing field with the bands and the fans being right on the floor and screaming at each other and getting in the same space. I'm wondering over the years how that relationship with your fans has changed because I would assume it's a bit more of them looking up and treating you as as an example or, or a role model. And when it comes to mental health stuff, that can be a really tricky balance. Yeah. No, you said it. I mean, not all things within the context of a music career scale without friction. And yeah, uh, our career, we've been super grateful, obviously, as you mentioned, to have a really humbling amount of success over the last two decades and the, I guess, seven records now that we've put out. As the awareness and the visibility of the band and the music grows, the one thing that becomes very apparent to us in terms of that connection and back and forth, something that, as you mentioned, starts just on a VFW floor a lot of times with a handful of people latching onto your singer, <laughs> <laughs> screaming some words back. The perspective and the way you know you connect, interact, and ultimately hear people it does have to then unfortunately change because there's a lot more voices in the conversation. There's a lot more stories just based on sheer number. And a lot of those stories, truthfully, can be extremely powerful, extremely inspirational, extremely uplifting, but also carry an extreme darkness and, and weight to them and heaviness. A lot of these songs, especially in terms of Wonder Years songs and where we've gone with our catalog and what kind of lyrical narratives and themes our singer Dan has sewn together based on personal experiences over the years, are really powerful and really complex. And they're not always fun to talk about and not always lighthearted as maybe the band that we started out to be before we started writing in a different light. With that many numbers and, and an excess uh, of stories kind of being shared back with us, being evoked by the songs and the albums that we put out, we came to a crossroads where it often is tough to figure out where the line of okay, this is how much I'm okay with sharing as an artist. That's one thing a lot of songwriters will be familiar with. You're having to hear a lot of stories and people confiding in you and feeling like they trust you to do that. That makes sense to me. You know, some of my favorite bands, I feel that connection and kinship. That would be a person that I would feel comfortable talking to. The issue for a lot of musicians, especially ones that are at your level and are dealing with quite large shows and lots of people, is that you only have so much time and you have to set boundaries. I'm wondering what that's looked like for you guys over the years. Yeah. That's kind of exactly the point I was getting at, Jason. That's quite exactly the issue in a lot of ways. We've been really grateful to have a lot of people come up to us at shows and unpack a lot of their story and where our music played a role in that. And that's incredible to hear. But I think what sometimes gets missed is the perspective that that might be one story and a very powerful telling of that story in 30 seconds. But if you multiply that by a thousand, that is a lot 
of extremely traumatic emotional weight for any human to download. Even a clinical therapist, and we are far from having a background in clinical therapy. And when someone is sharing something, especially something so personal and so profound like that, the feeling initially is, well, they're looking for advice. What inspirational cool quote can I can I pull up here to like supercharge them or you know reassure them or give them something else to try and I think initially it, it was a little bit more conversative of understanding and we've always been made up of extremely empathetic individuals we've always led with the heart in a conversation like that and over the years what we've learned is and this is maybe a, a really fitting lesson just in general as well and in, in relationships people aren't always looking for advice Sometimes it's just more about them being able to say it out loud. And they're not necessarily looking for you to provide some feedback or some sort of advice. And so that's a really important thing that we've tried to remember and had to remind ourselves. But additionally, we've learned and, and grappled with over the years and our feelings of guilt towards not being able to take on that much. And how do you filter that? We had to, for the good of ourselves and being able to continue to perform and continue to put something positive into the world. It was a way of conserving uh, a bit of our emotional energy, just being there and just allowing someone to speak their truth about something is a really powerful thing. If you're standing behind a merch table and people are telling you these things, do you have a stock answer at that point? Or are you just, sounds awful, but how do you process those requests? Yeah, it gets harder and harder, right? And so we've had to manage that. But also it does change the dynamic where we really want to go out put on a show, perform the songs that mean something to you and celebrate that together. We're human too, right? And someone downloading a really unbelievably traumatic story right before you have to go on and perform and be in a headspace can be really, really jarring and really tough, especially when you multiply it by like 20, 30, 40 shows in a row. We took that into account and, and had to make some calculated decisions about how we wanted to move forward through that. And ultimately, I don't, I don't think there is a stock answer, like I said, other than thank you for telling me that the strength of you just being able to, to pour that out is incredible and usually does boil down to some degree of, I can't believe it, but that is incredible. And I'm so thankful that anything I've done has had that impact in a positive way in your life. That's really all we can say a lot of times. What do you think it is about your music and your songs that garners these kinds of responses, these kinds of inspirational feelings that these people have that are listening to your music? I think it's an honesty. There's a lyrical honesty with everything Dan says and the way he tries to say it that I think sometimes is so specific down to actual names that are real people, you know, that we know in our lives, but also somebody else might know a Justin or a, a Nick or a Richie. So I think there's something about that, that anybody that's listening to it knows that they're not being sold a story, knows that it's a little bit more than that. For that reason, it, it gives people access points to start to put that over the frame of how they see their lives and, and that lens. And I think you, you start being able to draw some parallels pretty quickly, at least from what we've been told. As a songwriter and a guitar player, I'm always focused on supporting the story of a song with an emotional arc and using the tools there to kind of paint these stories in a really, really unforgettable way using dynamics, using tension, release, you know, and arranging these stories in ways that support 
the songs and the lyrics and the ideas that they're touching on in a really symbiotic way. I would hope it's a combination of those because those are how what we try to do anyway. But at the end of the day, it's I think the most specific things are usually the most universally relatable in their own way. So that has been a lot of our focus and ends up being very true, not just in terms of the creation of art, but in also the digestion of art and then even the business of trying to build a career and a livelihood out of creating good art. And I think that probably has something to do with it, right? Where it's like when we're singing these songs... We're singing them with a specific individual in mind, or in some cases, it is very much first person experience for Dan or a friend of all of ours, you know, in whatever case. And those are stories that end up being really familiar to a lot of people, especially when you touch on topics of, again, like the show, like mental health issues, whether it's depression or substance abuse issues that are running rampant uh, in this country, but all over the world and how they're dealt with or not dealt with properly. And I think we're talking about things that are big enough that everybody can start to feel them, but we're talking about them in a way that feels like it's right there for a person when listening. So it can be very overwhelming for sure. When someone says to you that the Wonder Years saved their life or that a certain song saved their life, and I'm sure you hear that, what kind of reaction do you have viscerally to that? How does it feel to hear that from someone that you've just met? Yeah, I still don't have a great response other than doing my best to receive that. When I was younger, even probably in my body language, I'd be like, oh, that's awesome. That's great. And kind of shy away because you don't know how to how to accept that. Right. Um, and a lot of people, I mean, what I've learned over the years too, is a lot of people, the hardest part is accepting love or accepting, you know, praise or feedback when it's given to you kindness even. Some people, unfortunately, ha have a great difficulty accepting true, genuine kindness because they don't feel they deserve it. And I think that's what I've struggled with and hopefully made some strides with. We did put ourselves out there and we do every time we make a record, every time we go on stage. There's always going to be subjective nature to art. <laughs> but I like to think that, yeah, I'm happy to have done something that could possibly entrench itself in someone's mind and or life that way. And I'm grateful and I am accepting that now and feel like what we've done is worthy uh, of that if they say it is, that it doesn't have to be based on what I think alone. Is there a specific song that comes to mind that you can dissect as far as what is it about that song that brings so much joy and inspiration and solace to people? That is a That is a real tough one. I've seen, and again, a very, very humbling, seen a lot of the lyrics that Dan has written end up tattooed on people's skin and end up etched in other places in their home. It's very tough to do that one. But what I will say is there is a song off of our album, No Closer to Heaven, called Cigarettes and Saints. I mentioned before about some of the subject matter really hitting very close to home, even though we're speaking about from a specific position in our lives, it resonates universally. And especially with the opioid crisis and addiction, that hit very close to us with a very close friend of ours from high school who passed away due to an overdose. And 
that song is about understanding that and dealing with all those emotions that come along with that loss and that kind of loss at that age. And that is one that night after night, you feel it in the crowd, whether it's seeing people openly weeping and knowing it's not just what we're putting out there. It's the memory of that person that they've lost that is with them there in the room as well. I don't think I'll ever really know how to process that or deal with it, but I think it's a catharsis. My hope is that just like we, after playing that song each night, have a moment where we reflect. And I think every one of my bandmates remembers our friend that we speak about and for which the song was written and all of those other ones and stories of friends and family members that have been lost. And it's a moment of reflection for all those people. And I hope that they walk out of that show feeling at least a little bit lighter or in a positive way, feeling empowered about those feelings and the memory of those people that they lost. And, and it is a very communal, cathartic ending to that song as well. And we did try to do our best to curate an experience with the song. And, and that one, when we play it, it's very dynamic. So it starts, it's the softest start of a song and it's the loudest ending of a song, probably across almost our entire catalog. And the reaction is... You can see it and you can feel it in every venue. So that would probably be one that always sticks out. So it is heavy to be in a band and deal with all these interactions and to find the negative in it, but also to find the positive and the hope, helplessness and the hopefulness, I guess, are the two sides. How are you guys taking care of your own mental health? I think one thing to note is that our community specifically, even since our band started, has made unbelievable strides in the work of destigmatizing the conversation around mental health, what mental health means, where we see it, what it affects, how we can try to nurture positive habits that form better mental health structures. So I'm happy to get a really up close look at seeing the bands and friends and allies that have been doing that work. And that work takes a lot of different shapes. One of those shapes is doing exactly what you're doing with this show, Jason, and I commend you for that, is having a platform for you to tell your story, but then creating a, a space for other people to express and exemplify the courage of telling their story and what they've learned from it. That's one really big point that I'm very proud to have seen and, and in some way been a part of. As far as our own individuals, we have to remember that we are individuals before we are just members of a band. And luckily for us, our band does exist very much like a family, not always the most beautifully functioning, nor is any family out there. <laughs> it is a dynamic that I think that's the only way you really could describe it as its own different family. But I, I do think that part of the reason why it has been the same original lineup and original members for almost two decades now is because we have grown and evolved personally, as well as professionally and as well as a group. and understood when other people needed to take a step back in the band or understood how we could step up if somebody else in the band needed us to. We've lived a lot of life individually as well as collectively, many years of touring and doing this professionally. And we try our best to support each other, you know, and that that looks like what it looks like with a supportive family or asking a family for help or asking a friend for advice or just saying, hey, I'm having a bad day putting it out there and knowing that you're not going to be judged for it and knowing that, okay, great, that person might be able to 
even if they can't do anything to turn it around for you right now, that person will know that and be there and just have knowing that a friend knows that can sometimes help. Let's us know that even though we're all crammed into one vehicle, it can feel very lonely sometimes when you're distanced from the rest of your world and letting each other know that in, in certain subtle ways really helps us get through. Punk rock is uh, a genre that's always been, I don't want to call it a genre, it's really a way of life. Punk rock has always been a place where folks have felt comfortable talking about these issues, even way back to the early punk bands. And I'm thinking of some of the earlier photos of the Wonder Years, like you said, at the VFW halls, and just being so excited and stoked and catharsis and dealing with a lot of heavy, heavy stuff, but doing it in a way that brings so much excitement and positivity and joy into people's lives. Why do you think the punk scene has that dichotomy where you go there to get out your stuff, but then you're coming out of it with just this stoked, excited feeling? I think it's the energy that's in it. In the origins of punk, it was quite literally the speed, the tempo, the rigidness of it that drove a certain physical outpouring. And it, there still is that to a certain degree, whether it's jumping up and down together, crowd surfing, or for my ska fans out there, skanking in a circle pit in the middle of a 110 degree warp tour, right? <laughs> That's its breeding ground and a way of building this shared experience. It's always a rawness and an honesty, no matter how sonically refined the music is or whatever shape it might take in a subgenre, there's an honesty there that you maybe don't get at other like more surface level pop songs. There's a counter movement to some of those surface level things and saying, hey, the way you really get through to someone or the way you really put a message out there and get someone to feel it is by being as hyper honest, transparent, and raw as you can. And so I think that's probably a lot of its power. That takes different forms and there's different tool sets now too. There are online creators that are kind of what I would argue in a way, living their own punk rock values and ethos and they've never picked up a guitar. Doing it their way and unabashedly so and in a counterculture way. There's a punk rock spirit in a lot of different places, not just punk rock music. I'm racking my brain here trying to figure out if I can think of a pop song that's about mental health or an actual big mainstream pop song. Not now, because now there are, but back then. Right, right. And you think about early punk bands, and pretty much all of them are talking about mental health issues or either addiction or relationship, broken homes, all that kind of stuff. It was like a little haven that people could go to because they had nowhere else to go. Yeah. I think it still really is and i see that and it it makes me so excited jason this is also what why i love getting the chance to go backwards and work with other bands and artists that are at a different earlier point in their career that are still in those spaces that still show me every day and prove to me that that creative spirit that punk rock spirit and that honest genuine authentic spirit is still alive in those breeding grounds in those local gigs in those vfw halls in the gymnasiums right in like the punk rock dive bars you know in a show where nobody comes it's like very alive there because that band is still playing and still going off i love that and i think it keeps me young but it also keeps me excited for the future and you mentioned we will kind of circle it all back into this it's about hope and going out and finding that and allowing yourself to believe that the future can be better and challenging yourself to take the action and or experimentation to find out how you can make that a reality, right? And whether that's 
taking the chance to, you know, go have a conversation with someone about what you're thinking or taking the leap and seeing about a clinical diagnosis that you might be skirting around, there's a chance that it can help you live a better life. I am proof. I am glad that I looked into it and took that step because I think what I realized ultimately is even though from the outside, I was able to function internally and cyclically, I would deal with some serious depressive waves that what I realized were ultimately stifling a lot of the progress of me trying to put out things into the world and trying to do good and trying to fulfill my goals and and the message I want to put forward into this community and how I want to help others. And so I had to fix myself. You know, the the engine was a little broken and was stalling. It was slipping out of gear sometimes. And I'm much better for it. And, and since I took the initiative and went that route, not that this is going to be the case for everybody, of course, but you'll never know if you never take the chance, you know, and never buy into the hope. And that's what I chose to do and what I hope anybody else, whether they're listening to Wonder Your Songs or not, have the chance to do. That was my conversation with Casey Cavalier of The Wonder Years. TheWonderYearsBand.com, CaseyCavalier.com. For more episodes of Screen Therapy, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Big news, the Screen Therapy book is available for pre-order. Screen Therapy, a punk journey through mental health, tells my story and the stories of others who use punk as a catalyst for mental health. Like this podcast, it links the community-minded punk scene with the mental wellness of the punks who belong to it. To pre-order the book, go to ScreenTherapyHQ.com. For merch, check out the newly opened store at ScreenTherapyHQ.com store. And for even more designs, check out Screen Therapy on TeePublic. Okay, enough promoting. It's time for some thanking. Thank you for listening to Screen Therapy. Doing this podcast and talking to folks about punk rock and mental health has been a crucial part of my own mental stability, and it means so much to me that you're out there listening. Screen Therapy is created in the Cathet region of coastal British Columbia, Canada, on the traditional territory of the Klahaman Nation. Contact me at ScreenTherapyHQ.com or email me at ScreenTherapyPodcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Let's talk about punk rock and mental health. Until next time, take care and be well.